Educators love to say things like, there's no such thing as a dumb question. But have you ever wondered, is that true? You're listening to the Happy Doc Student Podcast, a podcast dedicated to providing clarity to the often mysterious doctoral process. Do you feel like you're losing your mind? Let me and my guests show you how to put more joy in your journey and graduate with your sanity, health, and relationships intact. I'm your host, Dr. Heather Frederick, and this is episode 40. Today, I'm going to be talking about two steps that will help you ask questions that make you look smart and tenacious, two things faculty look for from students in a doc program, versus maybe not so smart and even, well, a little lazy. Now, many guests who come on this show promote advocating for yourself as a doctoral student through clear communication and the asking of many, many questions. And I tell the students that I work with, please, please communicate with me. I need to know when you're confused so I can help you get clear. That's my job. We know this process is confusing and we want you to have answers. But You are in a program that is grooming you to be an independent scholar. You are in a program that demands you know how to think. And I hope this episode is a catalyst for you to think about the questions that you ask and how you ask them. You know, just the other day, I was in a meeting with some colleagues, and the conversation segued into a discussion about what seems to be this epidemic among doctoral students of asking things that call into question their ability to complete the degree. And this is something you do not want to happen. Now, before I give you these two steps, I do want to differentiate between a real-time conversation about your work and what I'll call these silly questions that faculty often field over email. When you are in a meeting with a faculty member, if there is something you need clarity about, for goodness sake, speak up and ask for clarification. Even if the only thing you can get out of your mouth is, I'm so confused right now, I don't even know what to ask, that is what we want and need to hear from you. The questions I'm talking about in this episode are questions like, how long is a dissertation? How many articles should I read? And in reference to a meeting time, what time is that for me in my time zone? Now, you may genuinely have these questions, but they are not going to make you look like a doctor in training. So before you fire off an email with one of these types of questions, I'm recommending you take two simple steps. Step number one, spend 10 minutes trying to find the answer on your own. Now, It seems like nowadays, 10 minutes must be like a lifetime to people because I promise I get emails with questions where I think to myself, if you had spent even three minutes on this, you would have had your answer. Now, I'm suggesting just 10 minutes, not days. Google your question. Refer to a handbook, maybe a template that you've been given. Look for FAQs. Look for instructions in your course. Ask a classmate or a peer, and this is going to eliminate most, if not all, of the questions you might have that would make you look not so smart or, let's be honest here, kind of just a little bit lazy. 
And those 10 minutes will more likely be faster than waiting for your faculty to respond. And remember, time is of the essence when you're in a doc program, right? Now, if at the end of the 10 minutes, you haven't found your answer or you have an answer, but you're still feeling a little unsure, you're going to move on to step two. And that is you will briefly detail what you did to find the answer on your own, because remember, you are becoming an independent scholar. And then you'll ask as clearly as you can. And I'm going to give you some examples to drive this home, and I'm going to throw in extra bonus tips. Okay, time zones seem to be a huge issue. So let's start with that example. Say you get an email from your chair asking if you can meet at 10 a.m. Pacific time on Monday to discuss your latest submission. Now, your question might be, what time is that for me? But after listening to this episode, that's not what you're going to ask, right? You first try to find your answer. Get online, find a time zone calculator, or better yet, what I recommend is download a time zone converter app on your phone and put your chair's location in there and your location in there, and it will automatically convert it for you. If you do that, you will never have to ask anyone a time zone question again. But for the sake of this exercise, let's pretend you come up with a time that you think it is for you, but you're still a little unsure and you cannot miss this meeting. So how do you get an answer for your question, what time is it for me, while looking smart and tenacious? You would type up an email saying something like, I'm looking forward to our meeting at 10 a.m. Pacific time on Monday because time zone converting is new to me and I want to be sure to be there and be on time, can I please confirm that that is 11 a.m. Mountain Time? You've shown that you've attempted to figure out the time on your own, and you have respectfully asked a simple yes-no question, which is bonus tip number one. Make it as easy as you can on the person that you're asking by framing your question as a yes-no question. Now, obviously, you can't always distill a question into yes, no. But what I have found is typically if you try, it will force you to get really, really clear on what it is you are asking. Now, you've written the email, but before you shoot it off, can you guess what you're going to do next? Bonus tip number two is to use a spell and grammar checker. This might seem like a small thing, but it is not. It shows you are paying attention to details. And this is a quality that faculty expect to see in their doctoral students. It really is important. And listen, guys, I will be the first to admit I am the worst when it comes to typos in an email. I have a spell checker turned on and the one I use is Grammarly. If you aren't familiar with this free program, I will have a link in the show notes below. And I promise you, it absolutely makes me look smarter. Now, think about it. You're in a doctoral program. If you are making basic grammatical and mechanical errors, that is going to make even a really good question look kind of not so smart. Do you hear me there? All right, let's do another example. Your faculty member grades a paper for your course and you're not happy with the results. Your question is, what's wrong with this paper? But that is not what you're going to ask, right? Step number one, you're going to spend at least 10 minutes reviewing the feedback and a rubric if there is one. And frankly, during this step, you will likely get the answer to your question, what's wrong with this paper? But then you would have a new one. So you might find that that original question, what's wrong with this paper, morphs into an email something like this. 
I've reviewed the notes on my paper along with the rubric. My understanding is that the weakness with my submission was twofold, not using APA, and numerous grammatical and mechanical errors. I would appreciate the opportunity to work on my writing and APA style. May I revise and resubmit? Again, yes, no question. And of course, you're spelling grammar checking before you hit send. Yeah? One more example. Say you're writing chapter three of your dissertation. You think you're done, but it's only eight pages long, and that seems kind of short. Your question is, how long should my chapter three be? But that's not what you ask. Step one, look for the answer. Refer to a handbook, a template, an FAQ, course instructions. Find a couple of recently completed dissertations that were chaired by your chair and look at chapter three. Now, after you do these things, again, you will likely have your answer. But let's say you've gone through the handbook or the template and you really think your chapter three is complete. So now your question, how long should my chapter three be, is going to morph into something like this. I believe I've included all the required material for my chapter three, but it's only eight pages. I've reviewed the handbook and the template, but there are no page recommendations given. I also reviewed three recently completed dissertations that you chaired, and the page range for chapter three was between 15 and 20 pages. May I submit my draft to you so you can point out where I need to expand? Hear that? It's a yes-no question. And again, before you hit send, spell and grammar check. Now, hopefully you're hearing a pattern, the way to not ask a question that calls into question your ability to complete a doctorate is to communicate that question in a way that shows you know how to think. And if you're listening to this podcast, you have a brain. And so I'm going to encourage you, use it. Use it along with a spell and grammar checker. Okay, so let's wrap this up. I started this podcast by asking, Is it true that there's no such thing as a dumb question? And I hope that the message I've driven home today is that it's less about the question and more about how you ask it. So go on, get out there, get your questions answered, asking them in a way that shows the faculty you, in fact, are doctoral program material. Thanks for listening, and I look forward to connecting with you on the next episode. But until then, I'd like to invite you to visit my website, expandyourhappy.com, where you can download a document I wrote called The Doctoral Journey, 12 Things You Need to Know That They Probably Won't Tell You. And when you download that article, you'll be invited to participate in a seven-day email adventure that will help you kickstart your happy doctoral journey. I'm looking forward to connecting with you there. And until the next episode, I'm sending you more joy for your journey. Oh, hey, one more thing. The information, opinions, and recommendations presented in this podcast are for general information only.